0: Morning. Can you hear me? Okay. (laughs) I got the mic on just to make sure. Yeah. Well, it's our uh, privilege to to be here to share this time with you, members of the body of Christ. Yeah. Of course, Judy's over here handling the technology for us today. Yeah. As Pastor said, we we serve, we have served with uh, an organization called Wycliffe Bible Translators. How many of you have ever heard of that organization? Okay, well that's encouraging. Yeah, Wycliffe Bible Translators. It's uh, used to be based out of um, in Huntington Beach, California. Its offices are now in Orlando, Florida, um, just not very far from the uh, world headquarters of Campus Crusade. Actually, the property that the, our offices are on, we bought from Campus Crusade, as I recall. Yeah. So yeah, Wycliffe, um, Wycliffe USA. Believe it or not. Just to remind you, there are Wycliffe organizations throughout the world. There is uh, actually uh, Wycliffe Hong Kong, Wycliffe Germany, Wycliffe United Kingdom. These are Wycliffe organizations who are engaging churches and uh, bringing in people into the ministry of Bible translation. And I was just, of course, this morning I was teaching, uh, filling in for Phil Ross in his class, and we were looking at the the, uh, authority of Scripture And its reliability and how we got it. You know, we we have this incredible book, you know, which has changed all of our lives. I think every person in this room has somehow been changed by the word of the Lord. Brought into the kingdom. And it's it's fun to, and it's encouraging to see how the Lord over some 5,000 years protected, transmitted, translated, and brought that word to us. And here we, today, probably in this room, there's at least three or four different translations in English. The Living Bible, you know, the New King James, the King James, and so on. And just reflecting on the songs that we were singing this morning, you know. Um, we, we forget how the power of the Word shapes who we are, how we worship our communion this morning. You know, the songs, think about them right, right out of Scripture you know, and encouraging. Yeah, Judy and I um, first became, became members of Wycliffe in 1984, and our uh, first overseas assignment was in Nigeria. And I know that I just this morning learned that we have, uh, that your son-in-law, John, right, is going into Joss, the city that we spent some time in. Nigeria is a troubled place these days. But our family, it's uh, Judy and I, and we have two children that are grown, our daughter, Carly. Uh, who is uh, soon to be married on the 5th of November? She lives in Arlington, Virginia, and our son Aaron, the second born, also lives in around the district in the state of Maryland with his wife, who he uh, got to was also a Wycliffe missionary kid, who Aaron got to know while they were uh, going to school together in Nairobi, which is where we live, and uh, they. Uh, it's been fun to watch them grow up. A lot of that time was spent in Africa, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and in the last 12 years we were based in Kenya, working with our translation folks in Eastern Africa, Sudan, Ethiopia, Mozambique, Tanzania, Uganda. Be encouraged. The Lord's doing some exciting things around the world, you know, and, and in some pretty tough places, too, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm always amazed. And, and, and humble about how the Lord grows his kingdom in some very difficult places, like Sudan, or like the Democratic Republic of Congo, where there's been war for year after year. But the Lord and his kingdom grows in spite of all that. Now this morning, um, we're going to begin with a, a DVD I want to introduce you to the first person you'll hear is a a good friend from Uganda who has been instrumental in bringing God's word to the community, the language community that he's a part of, called the Lugwede. Uganda has some 40 language communities within it. His name is Sam, Sam Mubala. Sam is a translator. He's now a translation consultant and works with other translations. And there's others that you'll meet, but I just wanted to begin with this to give you an idea of the world of translation that's going on around the planet with, it, with Wycliffe. And I'll say this, Wycliffe is one organization, but there's a family of organizations that are involved in this ministry. Wycliffe Bible Translators is one of them. And then we have something called SIL National, which is a, uh, does a lot of the, the language research, which is very important to what we do. We also have an organization called JARS, which is an acronym that stands for Jungle Aviation Radio Service, based out of Waxhaw, North Carolina. They provide aviation, computer, and logistical support. And uh, then there's something called Wycliffe Associates, which helps to uh, work with people that want to volunteer and come over for a week, two weeks, a month, a year, and help maybe build something, teach kids. Uh, provide medical, so it's a family of organizations that does this and uh, you'll get to meet some of the people as part, that are part of that, so thank mm-hmm. your pardon? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't yeah, the lights, yeah Okay, so, Judy, uh, I'll let you uh, You might in my
1: way there You To me, it looked like God was coming every Sunday to visit us, dressed in another culture and language. And as soon as he went away the the rest of the week, we had no God. God was a visitor. Millions of people around the world live day to day without God's word in their own language, representing over 2,000 living languages still waiting for Scripture. When they are fortunate enough to hear the word of God, it's probably on Sunday, and it's likely to be in a language that isn't their own. This makes comprehension difficult and keeps an understanding of His word on arm's own. When came came to life and whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Coming through today, the pastor, simply means and whoever accepts to be baptized shall be saved. People all, all what they wanted was to find a way to get that text. And they thought that's all that is needed for the same. Oftentimes the language of wider communication may have a way to say that, but they may not be able to fully grasp the deep meaning of it the way they want in their own language. Paul was so going right. to do some guard spoken to make or spoke to Greek. But he spoke to Paul in the language of his boy, he spoke to Paul in the accent of his village because that was the best way of making the nexus of of that human divine encounter. There are around 7,000 languages spoken in the world today. These are not dead languages, but living, breathing languages spoken in homes and places like Nigeria, but if the language you think and experience emotion in doesn't have a writing system, then the Bible that you read will ultimately be in someone else's language. Best thing ever. Is that they both read it and then all of a sudden it touches you very to quickly. You, you know, when you open the gospel, it was one of the most incredible things in my life because I could understand that the complete philosophy for the real Christian world in my I I was right there in the presence of Jesus Christ Jesus and his teaching disciples, you know, I preach more powerfully than, than in, in, in ever is. We live in a dynamic and challenging world. And as Christians, we are called to act boldly in bringing the gospel to the nations. This can bring change to a community and holistically revolutionize their interactions with each other, with the outside world, and with God. It changes the way that their mothers understand prenatal care, giving their babies a better chance of survival. It changes the way they see themselves, creating a desire to preserve their traditions and culture. It changes the local church's perception of God as it brings greater understanding of Scripture. It changes the way that victims of trauma see themselves in relationship to God and their situations. It changes a child's chances of success in school, benefiting the entire community exponentially. We want to see change in the world for the glory of God and for the most overlooked peoples of the world. As it turns out, this change starts in the strangest place. It starts with Bible translation. Translating the gospel for the minority languages of the world means bringing the word in a greater sense than letters on a page. It brings practical change to communities in need and paves the way for others to do the same. Many other organizations are waiting for WICRA to start our work in a community so that they can begin their own. Ministry partners like The Jesus Film and Faith Comes by Hearing rely on scripture translation for their production. Organizations like UNICEF rely on language development in order to effectively communicate important materials to minority language communities. It starts with Bible translation and ends with God being glorified through the hands and feet of his church in practical, tangible ways. The need is great. And so WICLA and our partner organizations are aiming to start translation in every language, still needing one by the year 2025. Uh, I think it's an endeavor that more people to be excited about and share with, uh, with one another uh, what this means uh, in terms of the ending, and I think it's also an endeavor that With us in the marvelous work God is doing through Bible translation. We need your prayers, your time, and your financial partnership in our efforts to make the Bible accessible to every remaining language in need. Think of it. Pastors all over the world able to confidently preach the gospel in a real and penetrating way. Mothers able to better care for their children. children. a better chance of continuing their education. People all over the world coming to an understanding of the grace of Victims of trauma experiencing emotional healing. Cultures thriving, excited to celebrate their language and history. All from the strangest place. All from Bible translation.
0: Amen. There's a very unique, oops, okay, back on. There's a very unique uh, single quality that these people, small people groups, share, and that is that they have no writing system. And that is a very complicating factor when it comes to Bible translation. It means their language have, their languages, have never been reduced to writing. And as I shared this morning in Sunday school, English, some 700 years ago, had no writing system either. Of course, now we do. We have a very elaborate system. So that's one of the obstacles for the and one of the barriers for these small communities around the world, these language communities, is to, before translation can begin, there has to be research done to develop the writing system. So, just wanted to help sort of set the stage to give you some sense of, of this ministry of Bible translation. Now this morning, I want to uh, share from God's Word out of Psalm 19. You'll turn there in your Bibles. Psalm 19. I, I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety and then we'll talk a bit about it. The law of the Lord is perfect. To the choir master, a psalm of David. We are very much indebted to David and what he gave us through the psalms. I many times feel like I'm reading David's personal diary when I go in. He's very intimate. He's very honest with us. Both his failings, his fears, and and the way he perceived the Lord and all of the Lord's glory. The intimacy of David's relationship. It's all captured in the psalms. Amen. And like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God's word. And then God's people said, Amen. 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 Spurgeon referred to in Psalm 19 to uh, verses 1 to 6 as he called it the world book. And then as you move down into uh, verses 7 to 11, the word book. And it is, it's a beautiful, verses 1 to 6, a beautiful reminder of again something that we can take for granted. In in the study in theology and and, uh, translation, uh, we talk about general revelation and that's the creation that's around us and we're just reminded through the literally the rising of the sun the air that we breathe the seasons you know the power of the lord the glory of the lord and it does declare who he is through the general re- revelation of his creation again this morning in Sunday school we were reminded too of the scriptures and david reminds us the person even in this community, the unsaved, for them the world is physical, it's biological, that's it. It's like, there it is. There's no room for God. There's no room for that spiritual dynamic. And yet David reminds us the very fact that we exist. The very creation is because of him. Because he spoke. And it was. And of course we're reminded that in speaking and creating. You know, he brought us into this equation. He Created us in his image. I love it in Psalm 139 where David says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. We don't understand that. Well, we are created in his image. And that's language is a part of that too. Let's remind ourselves. Our ability to communicate with one another, but also with the Lord. And he cares about that. And so he reminds us every day, you know, every day that we get up, even if we don't have access to the scriptures, we're reminded of his power, of his beauty, as, he, as the sun rises, as the seasons change, as we see the birth of a child, I know it's perplexing to me, but understandable in the world of science and so on. As people, as we learn more about the marvelous world that we live in, its complexity, its orderliness. To me, when I read these articles, I just think, you know, isn't it amazing, the Lord? And of course, I realize many, uh, many scientists and researchers they read and they they just find themselves emboldened as to, you know, why do we need God in this equation anymore? And it seems like, you know, in the 21st century, as I look at the world around us, of course, we can remember at a time, and of course, the church thought that the earth was the center of the universe. And uh, I think we had a flat earth perception at one time. And sometimes I just chuckle to myself because I... You know, as, as we get into this thing of creation and evolution and all of this, you know, it, it's been debated for many, many years. It rises and falls. It shows up in high, you know, in school curriculums and the debate continues to go on. A long earth, a short earth, an age and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, but I, you know, I just stop and ponder as we look at the complexity of life and we look at what's around us and it declares his glory And we need to be encouraged and uh, be prepared, you know, to not be uh, politically correct, to be a bit humiliated as being uh, (laughs) closed-minded, you know, people, I don't know, there's lots of terms that are used, but I, I, I think it gets more intense as time goes on, as we see our knowledge increase and our perception of our abilities, even though I think those are Uh, perception only. Reality is, you know, we show very little control. Earth is a very troubled place. (laughs) But but still, we have many who dishonor the Lord. They don't want to recognize Him. Praise God that we have His Word, that we can be reminded of His power, of who He is. C.S. Lewis, when he read this song, now, I hope, you, I hope you know C.S. Lewis, He's a fine Christian man, and he wrote, the, he wrote a lot of things, but he also wrote the Narnia series. Now, I don't know if any of you ever, I won't ask, I won't do a raise of hands on this one. It's a beautiful children's, I mean, I enjoyed reading as an adult. When we were, our first assignment in Nigeria, our kids were quite young. Before they went to bed, we always had reading time. So we would read a chapter out of Narnia every night. Oh, what, seven, seven books, right? Our children learned the love of reading in Africa. And, of course, I think our son was four and our daughter was five and a half. And busy little people. But, boy, when it came time for reading Narnia, <laughs> it was amazing. They'd sit down and just stare at me, you know, just like in a trance. And we read a chapter of Narnia. Okay, C.S. Lewis has made significant contributions to Christian literature. And uh, he said, "C.S. Lewis thought this Psalm 19 was one of the greatest poems ever written by David, and its beauty and its power." And I hope we can read the—you know—read the Psalms, you know, read, read this Psalm, read them all, and and try to sort of step back. And I'll challenge you with this too. I appreciate a pastor reading from the Living. Of course, now we have the New Living Translation, which was kind of based on that. Sometimes it is. uh, I think I'll I'll challenge you. You will find it exciting and a bit invigorating to read out of a different translation than you normally read from. I'm not. You know. I mean, we all have our favorites. This morning I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Um, I enjoy the New Living Translation. Have an Amplified Bible. I mean, you know, there's a lot of them out there. But maybe take something. Even the Message, which gets a lot of heat, but it's it's a paraphrase. But Eugene Peterson does. The beauty of the portion you read from Colossians. I love that out of the message. It's hard for me to even read. I, you know, it just, he captures something about the sheer preeminence of Christ. But also, he describes as the blood is dripping off the cross. You know, what he did for us. So I challenge you just to maybe find another translation. They're available in the bookstores, Amazon.com. And occasionally read it, you know. you got your favorite, that's good. All the marks, that's the one we love. But, but just it'll help. I've, I've described different translations of our, of our Bible, which we have the privilege of having, different versions. It's like taking a diamond and kind of moving it. You know, a, a diamond, of course, not that big, but as you turn it, the facets, you know, the different colors. And that's what a, that's what a different translation will do. It'll give you a little different color. A little different twist, and it'll, you'll see, you'll hear and think some things that maybe you weren't thinking before. So I challenge you to do that as you uh, reflect on His word and the beauty of it. As we get into looking at chapter or verses uh, seven through eleven, of course, I hope you picked up on the many terms that are used there for the for the word, the law of the Lord. The testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. I mean, is that true for us? <laughs> I had to ask myself, Ken, is that true? Do I do I love it that much? You know, gold selling at over eighteen hundred dollars an ounce. I checked the Wall Street yesterday just it amazes me. I can remember when it used to sell for $283 a troy ounce. You know. So, you know, there's this pile of gold, and there's the word. You know. Where am I going to move? Where am I going to run? You see. We'd all hopefully just reach out and grab the word. You know. Then maybe slide over and get a couple of points, you know. But it's a beautiful image of the power of the word. It says reviving the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever. And I, I hope, I know, you know, in a, in a congregation this size that it's done all of that for you and will continue to, and forever, because eventually we will be in the presence of the word made flesh. <laughs> Think about it. Let's see. Think about the book of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It's powerful. And of course, the ministry of Bible translation. Again, we're privileged to have. Bible is available to us. You heard the term mother tongue in that video. Most of us, I would imagine in this room, it's a term, the language we learn as a child from our mother, from our siblings, is English. So we're privileged in the sense that we have so much available to us. And as you can see, there's, there are many, there are literally millions of people around the planet that don't have so much as a single word of scripture in their mother tongue. Small forgotten people groups, but not to the Lord. That video finished with a text that I hope you would recognize out of Revelation. And it's good to be reminded in heaven, every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be represented. It won't just be the Americans or the Baptists. You know, you fired. Know, of course, I grew up in a, my tradition is, is a Baptist tradition. Of course, we used to kind of laugh, you know. Like, St. Peter's in heaven taking some people in and he goes, be quiet. That's the Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. Yeah. Yeah. God's building his kingdom in amazing ways. And praise God for our Baptist tradition, honoring the Word. And the privilege you have with a pastor here this morning who preaches the Word. Again, don't take that for granted. Trust me. <laughs> Jeannie and I travel a lot and we've been we're back in the States. Of course, we're blessed with good supporting churches that do honor the word, or they probably would have no use for us. They would find us kind of strange people. Why do you do what you do? But yet I know there are many churches this morning, right now, in this time zone, as I sit here speaking, that are talking about a lot of things, but I'm sure the word of God is nowhere present. And that's sad. So we we don't want to take for granted the privilege that you have where the word's being taught and honored, you know, every Sunday for what it is we don't worship it we just recognize its power to help us build that relationship with him that's what it is it's a means to an end I mean I've heard the accusations you know you, you people are book worshippers okay we can our language maybe it can sound that way but we realize what it, how it helps us to gain insights to the person that should be the most important person in our lives Christ. Of course, as a, as a young man, you know, we all we grow up, we, we come into adulthood, and, you know, just your theological maturity comes along with other things. And personally, I, I struggled with that. I struggled with what I call the system of Christianity and the person. I got a bit tied up in the system, and eventually it, it kind of crushed me. It became a yoke that I could not find easy to bear. But what had happened is, I lost track of the person. See, I let the system overpower me. So I challenge it. You, you know, it's about Christ. It's about what He's done for us. And of course, our love and our obedience. You know, it's just like children with parents. Most of us don't enjoy being this, you know, rowdy kids. You know, for the most part, we love our parents. We love the Lord. We don't want to be disobedient, not because we're afraid of Him, because we love Him. And we recognize what He's done. Moreover, by them, by His Word, your servant warned and keeping them, there is great reward. Yes, it keeps us out of trouble. It helps us to understand and to discern. That's the other issue. Now you get into postmodernism and all these 21st-century terms. You know, the relative absolutes, that's a very politically incorrect thing. Anything that's absolute. Everything is kind of, is relative. We, we'll talk about it. Okay, Christianity and the scriptures know that it's very absolute. <laughs> okay? And we have to say, you know, I say there's, we have to be prepared to put anchors in the ground and say this, is, or states or whatever you want to, how you want to look at it, whatever metaphor works for you. And scriptures, you know, reminds us there are absolutes. <laughs> and God's one of them and is his word and to give us wisdom to understand the absolutes and then those areas where we have to use discretion and wisdom and how are we going to learn that we're going to learn it through this this book <laughs> you know that's the beauty of the epistles Paul you know the people back in the first century who were struggling with the same things that, that you and I are just in different ways you know living life living life trying to honor him Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think that's our prayer. Help me not to be irreverent, disgraceful. May we honor you. You are the rock, the absolute, our redeemer. Yeah. Of course, we're reminded to finish with this in terms of Isaiah. Holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. This morning we sing, holy, holy, holy. His beauty. And again, we get to, we get to perceive, we get to sense that beauty as we read His word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And let us never forget that. This this is a book that's unique like no other book in the world. Because it's empowered through the Holy Spirit as one engages it. It's not like reading Tom Clancy or Stephen King or anybody else. It's a very different experience.